Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hi, this is Joshua Culp. We're doing Daily Daf Differently for Daf Yud Bet. Um, yesterday, I think I made a promise that I, I just am not going to keep, sorry. But uh, we'll sort of keep it. We won't talk about the real yucky stuff. I promised I wouldn't talk about virginity claims anymore. I promised I wouldn't refer to that article anymore. I sort of alluded to that. But what can I do? Literally, I spent about five or six years studying, working, writing, thinking about this chapter. And now I'm summarizing it in 10-minute chunks. So you'll um, forgive me for wanting to cram a lot of information and come back to the same topic. But this is really one of my favorite Mishnahs because I think I thought something about it that most people didn't. So the Mishnah says, Ha'ochel etzel chamiv b'yehuda, shelo be'edim, eno yachol riton tana petulim, mipnei shemit yachedima. So the Mishnah says, somebody who eats with his in-laws in Judah without witnesses can no longer um, make a virginity claim because he has had seclusion with his wife. So the idea is that um, in Judah, and I'm going to explain it traditionally, in Judah, the man would be secluded with his wife when he went to visit her parents while they were still betrothed. And because they were secluded, we were afraid, suspected that he had had relations with her. Comes later on when he marries her. And remember, in the Talmudic period, there was a separation between betrothal and marriage. We um, don't let him make a virginity claim lest he was the one who had sexual relations with her. Now, um, there's something very funny about that or very strange, right? If he's the one who had sexual relations with her before, why would he come and make a virginity claim now? Right? They're talking about basically a person who's just being a, a total liar. Right? He knows why she's not a virgin. He was the one who prevented her from being a virgin by having relations with her. Nevertheless, um, a lot of scholars and historians have made a whole heap of conclusions and historical conclusions based on this Mishnah, saying things like, in Judea, premarital relations were common. Okay, which the Mishnah doesn't say any at all. The Mishnah at most says there's a suspicion of premarital relations, not that premarital relations were common. I don't even know if they were common at all, but there's a suspicion of premarital relations. Um, others, other scholars, real historians, academics went so far as to say that they designated that the husband should sleep with the wife in Judea for all sorts of reasons, some of them alluded to in other Talmuds that I'm not going to get into right now. Again, that's not something the Mishnah says. The Mishnah just says we don't allow him to make a subsequent virginity claim lest he slept with her earlier. Now this custom um, to have Yichud with uh, the betrothed woman before the marriage appears also in a Brita that's mentioned in the Gemara. Um, Kedetanya, as we teach in a bright, I'm skipping a couple lines, but I'm on Yidbet also. Amar Rabbi Yehuda, 
ביהודה בראשונה היו מאחדים את החתן ואת הכרה, שעה אחת קודם בכניסתם לחופה, כדי שיהיה ריבו גספה, ובגריה לא היו עושים כן. In Judea, originally they would allow the husband and wife to have a short moment of, of Yichud, one hour, a little bit of time before she went into the chuppah, in order for him to sort of fall in love with her, to uh, desire her. Ubegalio, uh, and in the Galilee, they didn't do that. Now here you can see a very different minhag of Yichud, of the seclusion before the marriage. The Mishnah says it happened way before the marriage in her father-in-law's father-in-law in her father's home, and we're afraid that they had sexual relations. Here we get one hour before the chuppah. Now this isn't exactly premarital sex, even if it's technically premarital sex. This is really just right before the chuppah, right before the, the some kind of teke, some kind of ceremony is going to go on. We want them to get to know each other a little bit better so that they'll, uh, you know, feel comfortable, more comfortable when they go through the marital um, ceremony. Nachon, there may be a danger that an hour before the chuppah, this couple, they just really they can't wait. An hour before the chuppah, they're going to have sex and uh, and uh, not wait for the chuppah. But it doesn't seem that the purpose of this custom was for them to have sex, again, as some historians tried to say. Rather, it was just that he would have some affection for her. After all, they probably did not know each other all that well. They may not have seen each other if they ever saw each other for a long time. Um, and so there's just an hour of, um, of yichud, a little bit of yichud right before the chuppah. Now, the next two customs that are mentioned in this Brita show that in Judea, they didn't take virginity claims callously. They didn't expect that men and women would be rampantly having premarital sex. Adaraba, they were very, very cautious. They took great precautions about the um, legalities of, of virginity claims. I'll read these to you. In Judea, originally, they had two witnesses called like Shoshvinim, which today is the word used for groomsmen. Echad ro vechad ra. One for her, one for him. Kedeh lemashmesh et hachatan ve'et hakara b'shat knisatan lechupa. In order to make sure, to check the chatan and the kara when they go into the chupa, to make sure that he's not hiding a false sheet that has no blood on it, she's not hiding a false sheet that already has blood, or like a package of bird's blood, or some kind of other blood. In other words, they were very strict, and they put witnesses there to make sure that there was no deception when it came to the chuppah, um, where they were expected to have sex for the first time. And in the gallery, they didn't do that. You can see here that in Judea, they took virginity claims very seriously. In Judea, originally, the Shoshvinim, these Adim, these witnesses, would sleep in the same house, right? To make sure that there was no deception when it came to the virginity claim. And in the galley, they didn't do that. They took things a little bit more lax in the galley. Anybody who didn't do these things, didn't take these precautions, cannot um, make a virginity claim. Because without it, the husband could be cheating, the wife could be cheating. In other words, if you want to make a virginity claim, you have to take the proper precautions. Now, I want to go back to the Mishnah before we finish up here.
The Mishnah does seem to say that in Judea, there is at least a possibility of the husband having sex with his wife before the chuppah. In my opinion, this is what I wrote about in a couple other places, again in that article that you can find on academia.edu. Um, in my opinion, this Mishnah was written from a Galilean perspective. We know the Mishnah was composed in the Galilee, and this Mishnah is saying, look, that minhag of Yichud, which we know from the Brita, didn't occur in the Galilee. That minhag of getting the husband and wife together before the Chuppah is a bad minhag. And they cast aspersions on this minhag, and they said, look, that minhag can lead to premarital relations. And we're going to say, the Mishnah is going to say, that that minhag didn't just occur right before the Chuppah. In Judea, they, we don't really trust them with virginity claims at all, because they have yichud before the Chuppah, and they gave it a different character. So um, I mentioned this at a speech, oh, at least eight years ago, and everyone got very upset. They said, look, how can you say that in, in Judea there wasn't a minhag to have premarital relations? And um, no matter how much I tried to explain it to people, uh, they didn't really like my explanation. So I don't know if you will like it or not. But um, I think that people were just very sort of modern scholars were very excited by the possibility that premarital sex was rampant at some point in, Juda in Judaism. I don't think the Mishnah says it at all. I think the Tosefta, from where this Brita comes, the Brita um, shows exactly opposite. There was even a woman who said she found a ketubah that talked about the fact that the couple had had relations before marriage. I don't think the ketubah said that. Again, I'm not saying that a couple never had. Obviously, there were couples who had premarital relations. But the idea that sources would sanction that and that rabbis would sanction um, uh is it condone, like allow, right? Minhagim, customs to develop, purposefully intended to lead to premarital sex, sounds to me way out of line with everything else we read in rabbinic literature. So I gave that mission a little critical reading and said that it was a little bit of a, a, a libel against the Jews of Judea, written by the Jews of the Galilee, with whom they, we know that they were in a certain amount of competition uh, during this period. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.